Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so, I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. So I'm going to be going, continuing on Pastor George's series on through the book of Genesis. Last week, Pastor George spoke about Noah, Noah on the ark, when God was about, was going to destroy the earth, and he told Noah to build an ark as a place of protection for him and his family. And I think Pastor George was saying that Noah still had a lot of money because he floated his assets when everyone else was in liquidation. Right? I think he said that. You could check the tape. But anyway, I'm going Genesis chapter 6, verse 17. This is the voice of the Lord speaking to Noah. Genesis chapter 6, all the way to the beginning of the Bible. Verse 17. And this is God speaking. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Verse 22, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. In verse 18, God told Noah, I'm about to destroy the earth because of the sin, because of the wickedness. Not because God is a mean God. The Bible says that God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. But God knew that if he allowed the evil to go on, it was going to overtake the earth. That it would overcome everything good. So God said, it's time to start all over again. And he said, it's going to rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And a flood would come on the earth. But he told Noah, build an ark. And put in it two of every kind of animal. 
Why? Because God was going to preserve his creation, but he was going to rebuild. But he told Noah, even though destruction is coming, even though death is coming on the earth, I make a covenant with you. What is a covenant? A covenant is a contract or an agreement. And the covenant was, no matter what happens out there, you are my son. And you and your family will be protected through the fires, through the flood, no matter what comes. And do you know that God has made a covenant with every one of you if you've received that covenant? You know the word testament? We call it the New Testament. That's another word for covenant. God has made a contract, an agreement with you if you're a child of God. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and given your life over to him, there's a contract with you that no matter what comes on the earth, no matter what falls your way, no matter what evil comes to your doorstep, that God will preserve you and not only you, your family, your household. One person in a family standing for God, standing for righteousness, can bring salvation and protection to the whole household. And it works the other way too. All it takes sometimes is one rebellious per person to begin to open the door to trouble. But you see, Noah had a part two in this contract. It said that Noah did everything that God commanded him. In other words, Noah's part was obedience. God could have come to him and said, I'll preserve you, I'll protect you, I have an eternal plan for you. But Noah could have said no. 90% of the, or higher of the people I go to and say, God has a plan for you. He wants to make a covenant with you. He loves you. They tell me, no. I love this world more. I love the pleasures of this world more. And Noah could have said the same thing. I don't have time to build an ark. I got to be out making money. I got to be partying and clubbing. There's no time for that. Well, you know what it said? Noah did everything God commanded him. See, God has made that covenant with you, but it's up to you to, to live a lifestyle of obedience, not a lifestyle of, perfe of perfection where you'll never fail, where you'll never stumble. But if you come to God and say, God, I will follow you, lead me, I will lay down my life for you. Nothing in this world can ever touch you. You see, there was only one door in the ark that Noah built. And Pastor George said last week that the ark is a picture of Jesus. You know why? Because he is the door. There's only one way to heaven. You see, I see preachers going on Larry King sometime, and he asks them, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And they stumble around. They don't want to be, offend anyone. I'll offend anybody. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. You cannot get to heaven except through him. You can't go through Islam, Muhammad, Buddha, 
There is no other God but Him. He is the way, the one way. Call me narrow-minded. I praise God for that. Because Jesus said that the road to heaven is narrow. The road to hell, it's big. It's easy to get into hell. Oh, I'm an atheist. Oh, I'm right in. Oh, I'm with those Hare Krishnas. Up the way is paved for you, right into hell. Only one way to God. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 24, I'm skipping to the next chapter. It said that the waters, the flood waters, prevailed on the earth 150 days. For five months, Noah was floating around in the ark, surrounded by flood waters and death. All around him was death. And the flood waters came all the way up, higher than the trees, higher than the mountains. Imagine living in that for five months. But you know what Noah did? He waited on the Lord. Then, Because it tells us in Genesis 8, verse 1, Then God remembered Noah and every living things and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided, the fountains of the deep. And the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventh day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. You know what it said? I love those words. Then God remembered Noah. Imagine what it must have felt like for Noah after five months. Surrounded with nothing. And you look and you see nothing. All you see is more water. No more people. No more, nothing alive. No trees. And Noah just floated and floated. Month after month went by for ten months. But it said that God remembered Noah, and he began to decrease the waters. He began to cause the flood to, to, to go down. And do you know that in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, many of you today, you're going through a hard time in your life. You're, you're going through a battle some of you feel like you can hardly make it. For some of you, it was a struggle to, just to get out of bed today one more time. But you know what God says? I remember you. See, God has not forgotten you. But you know what Noah saw? He saw the invisible hand of God. In other words, when you don't see anything, when all you look ahead and you just see the floodwaters, you're being strangled. Your circumstances are enclosing on you. The enemy is at you, and you don't see anything. But what a promise. 
God remembers you. He remembers the contract he made with you. He remembers the covenant. If you're unemployed, he's already working behind the scenes, putting jobs and finances together for you. If you're having trouble in your marriage, he already has a way to touch your spouse, to get hold of their heart. But you don't see it. You see nothing. But we need to come to a place where we just trust God when we see nothing. You see, one of the hardest things that God calls us to do is wait. Wouldn't it have been nice for Noah after 40 days, all the water disappeared and he's down on the ground? But yet month after month went by and he was still floating. And then he sent out a bird to see if it would land on a tree somewhere. But it went out and came back. Nothing, still nothing. Have you ever gone through a trial and then you just try one more time and maybe something will happen this time and still nothing? Why does God allow us to wait? Why does God allow time to go by and we're praying and believing and we still don't see the answer? Well, there's, there's purpose in your waiting. You know what God is doing through your waiting? One thing is he's testing your faith. He's testing your love. He wants to know if you're still going to serve him. He wants to know, are you still going to stand here and sing and dance and worship him when everything is turned against you? When you look ahead and it looks like there's nothing good in your future, are you still willing to say, God, I trust you. I still worship you. See, that's maturity. Maturity is, is keep pressing on. I keep going. When the mountain's in my way. When I look ahead and all I see is pain and sorrow. And some of you are in that circumstance right now. One reason God is allowing you to go through it. Because he wants to know, do you really love him? It's easy to worship God when the blessings are flowing and everything's going good. And I don't know if anyone ever lied to you, but becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have any problems. Jesus said, I went through problems and you will too. But you know what it tells us in the New Testament? Thank God for your problems. Thank God for your trials. Because God is doing a work in you. He's building patience in your heart. He's putting integrity in you. He's building your character. You know, if I never went to a trial, if I never went to a problem, if I, ne if I never had a big mountain in front of me, I would never know who God is. When I look back over my life, it's it's the hardest times. It's the most depressing, difficult situations when I could look back and say, that's where I found out who God is. That's when I knew how much he loved me. 
That's when I learned about the power of God to tear mountain after mountain out of my way. Believe me, there have been times when the devil told me, you'll never preach again. You'll never minister again. But here I am still today because God is faithful. I can testify through it all. There's a, there's a song called Through It All. Hey, Bert knows it. <laughs> One of those old school songs. And you know how it goes? If I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. See, thank God. Thank God for your difficulties. Because God is doing a work in the midst of it. And God has a contract with you. He'll never leave you through it. He, you know what he does? He comes right down there in the middle of the mess. But sometimes you can't see what he's doing. But he's always working. But you know what happens? If you, if you allow your heart to get disappointed with God, if you allow your heart to get bitter, you're going to miss him. Don't allow yourself to get disappointed with God. Because you know what happened with Noah? The day came when God showed up. The, the, the ark landed and the flood all disappeared. And Noah had a whole new life. And God will do the same thing for you. But you've got to wait on him. I'm going to go to Genesis 9, verse 8. This is after the Noah had come out of the ark with his family. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, <coughs> I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, and all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. As a representative of the human race, God made another covenant with Noah, and he promised Noah never again Will I destroy this, destroy this earth with the flood waters again and, and wipe out all life? And he says, as a sign of that covenant, so that you remember and I remember, he put the rainbow in the sky. So when you see the rainbow, you remember that covenant. You don't have to be, in other words, God was telling the earth, don't be afraid of the rains. I will not destroy you, use those rains to destroy you again. But see, this second covenant was pointing to something even greater. And that's what I want to focus on. 
So I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 54, starting in verse 9. And again, this is the Lord speaking. Isaiah 54, verse 9. And he said, To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So God is saying that I'm going to make a covenant with my children. This is not, this covenant is not for the whole earth. That last covenant was for everyone, that God will not destroy the earth with water. This covenant is only for his people, for his children. He said, so now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. You know what God is saying? He's made a contract with you, and he is not angry at you. And I'm sorry for any minister or anyone who's betrayed God as an angry God at his people. It tells us clearly in the Word, God is not angry at you. When you picture God, don't see him as ready to strike you. But he's a God that's in love with you. He accepts you. Yes, he's angry at the rebellious, but for his children, he made a promise, and he's not a man that he should lie. In verse 10, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord, who has compassion on you. He's saying that the mountains can be shaken. All the earth can shake. Destruction can go on around you. But my love for you will not be shaken. My son, my daughter, nothing can separate you from the love of God, he says. No matter what happens. You see, God is not like these guys... Some of you women meet out there. These guys that say, Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll be with you no matter what. Until someone gets pregnant or something happens, zoom, there they go. There's a message in there to some of you women. I'm tired of hearing that same story. But this guy's different. The guy is only different when he reflects the heart of God by coming to you and saying, I commit my life to you. Forsaking all others till death do us part and puts a ring on your finger. Do not give your heart to any counterfeit because there's a God that loves you like that. No guy has to try you out first in bed to see if you're worth marrying. That, that's the wisdom of this world. So you have, you have a God that values you. You need to begin, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not pride to love yourself, to respect yourself. See, 
God has a covenant with you. And he, he's not like the people of this earth. He keeps his word. He'll be there right with you. I've been serving him for 20 years. And he led me to places I can't understand. I've gone through things I still can't figure out. And maybe I never will. But all I know is every time he's been faithful. He doesn't come on my time. But he's always in time. Every time, year after year. Times when I thought that it was over. I wasn't going to make it. And every time God showed up. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't break his promises. And he has compassion on you. You know, that's one of the names of God in the New Testament. The Father of compassion. He understands your tears. He knows what you're going through. He understands your hurt. His arms are wide open. Never run away from God when you fail. How many people stop going to church because they mess up and they're afraid, they're ashamed? You need to be right here in the church when you fail. Because God's arms are open and you can run into his arms. He'll, he'll never turn you away, the Bible says. Verse 13, look at this promise from God for his children under the covenant. All your sons will be taught by the Lord and great will be your children's peace. What a promise that is. That even if you have children that are far from God, children who, who don't want to go to church, they don't want to hear anything from God, you begin to proclaim that scripture over them, that they will be taught by God, that they will know the peace of God. Don't go by your circumstances, what you see. Go by this word. Begin to decree it. Begin to proclaim it over your children, even those young children now. Don't wait for them to grow up. If you've got little babies, begin to pray over them that you will grow up in the peace of God, that you will be taught by God, you will follow his ways, that you will not follow the ways of this world. Well, there's so many promises that God gives us. That's why the enemy always wants to divert your attention from him. Take your focus away. But if you'll just read his promises and believe them, there's nothing that can stop you. I'm just going to read a few more scriptures going to verse 14. Isaiah 54. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear if you're a child of God. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. You can watch the news and keep on laughing. Those terrorists can't touch you. Verse 15. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. In other words, those angry people at work, those people that tear you down, even in your own household, some of you. God is saying, I did not send them, so stop blaming God. 
Stop getting mad at God for what the devil's doing. He says, it's not my doing. When people hurt you, when they wound you, I didn't send them. You know why? Because he's a good God. His intentions towards you are to bless you, it tells us in Jeremiah. To prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But you see, there's also an enemy in the realm of the spirit, the devil. And he wants to tear you down. He wants you to curse God. But when the enemy comes, God says, it was not my doing. Because God loves you. You're getting to understand who God is and how he sees you. The last scripture, verse 17, one of the greatest promises in the whole word. No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. See, the word tells us that there is a real enemy. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to ruin your finances. He wants to kill your emotions. He wants you to walk in depression and bitterness and hatred. And he's got a plan. The devil's got a weapon. And he's coming against you. But you know what God says? That weapon will not work. It will not prosper. And it said that you will refute every tongue that accuses you. So those of you, you've had injustice against you. People have gossiped against you. Maybe the people at work speak against you. They tear you apart. God says that he will justify you. That you will refute every one of those words. And what does it say? That's the heritage of the saints, of the servants of the Lord. That's their vindication from God, that he will fight for you, that he's on your side. And what does he call you to do? Just trust and obey. Just, he said, believe in me. Give your life over to me, just like Noah chose to do. You know why? Because if you hear all this and you say, I want Jesus in my heart, I, I want him to be my savior, but I'm not going to obey him, I'm going to live how I want, none of these promises are going to help you, I'm sorry. I prayed for too many people at different altars. They say, the devil's against me, there's no peace in my home. In the meantime, the person's living in adultery and sexual sin. I, I can't tell the devil to leave your situation when the devil's going to tell me, but we got a little thing going on the side. I don't have to leave. You see, you got to break every connection you have with hell, every open door. I can't say, Satan, I bind you, and, and you're inviting him in with that pornography on your computer or those condoms in your pocket. I could, I could pray for you all day and nothing's going to happen until you say, God, just like Noah, I lay it down. I choose to obey. That's all he asked for you. 
That's all God wants is your obedience, your heart. Otherwise, none of this is going to work for you. All the songs, all the worship, all the messages. If you don't say, God, I just laid down every sin at your altar, everything that's not pleasing to you, I just give it up. And sometimes that hurts. Sometimes it tears you apart to give up a wrong relationship. But he's worth it. God is worth it. And in your waiting, God is your help. I'm, I'm going to ask Melissa to come and help me. After she gets her earrings off. All right. So um, Gary had told me to do this song, and when I was listening to the song, the first thing that kept coming to me was breakthrough, you know, and I just kept thinking about how there's many of us, you know, who are in a struggle, who's seeking for a breakthrough, you know, and a lot of us are just kind of in that struggle or maybe even like frustrated, you know, because we're like, God, I'm doing what I need to do. And I'm still not having that breakthrough. And like, you know, Gary said, um, I looked up what breakthrough really meant. And it said, to smash, split, or divide into parts violently, reduce to pieces or fragments, right? So I was reading that, and I was like, wow, that's deep, you know? So what, what is the smashing? What is the splitting? What is, the, what, what is that that needs to take place for the breakthrough to happen? And the first thing that I got was praise, you know, and how even in the midst of your struggle and in, in wanting to get that breakthrough, it's praise during that struggle that's going to get you into that victory, into that breakthrough. So this human video is just kind of just to show how even in the midst of your struggle, just because you're struggling doesn't mean that you have to, um, you have to complain and, and be negative. But if anything, to reposition your thinking and to keep your eyes on God and praise him through that because little do you know during your praise you will have that breakthrough and you'll be free. Amen. I'm, I'm going to ask if the, those in the prophetic team to come up and those who I also asked to join us or anyone in the worship team that wants to help us to, to minister at the altars because this is what we want to do. We, we want to speak encouragement today into your life. Because some of you, you're in that time of waiting. Some of you, you're in the time of travail. And what we want to do today, we, we just want to speak encouragement into your life directly from the heart of God. Because you see, that's what prophecy is. Prophecy isn't tearing you up or exposing you. Prophecy that tells us in 1 Corinthians is to build you up and to encourage you. So I'm going to ask if you could get in teams of two or three down on the floor. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. 
if you're going through right now, you're in a time of waiting on God. You've been waiting for that job. You've been waiting for that financial breakthrough. You've been waiting for healing in your marriage, for a change in your family. You just need God to do something, and you've been waiting and waiting, and it hasn't happened yet. Just lift your hand to heaven right now. Father, I pray right now for each one, Lord God, that in their waiting, Lord God, they will not give up, oh God. They will not turn back. They will not be like those, Lord God, who walk away. But I ask for a new level of strength and maturity. Father, I thank you that every one of your promises are true. And I decree those promises over your life. No weapon, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It will not work against you. I break the power of the enemy off of your life right now in Jesus' name. And I release the promises of God. We have teams of people here right now who are ready to encourage you. So if if you need encouragement in the Lord today, see, I need to be encouraged. I need a breakthrough. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for God to do something. If you're like me today, I'm going to ask you to come forward and we have people just going to minister to you as we continue to worship. I'm going to ask if we could have one or two ushers in the front to help us navigate. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org God bless